Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun, day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one, Dr. Everything will be alright. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in to the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast. I am your host, Paul Turner. And yes, that is Prince you're listening to right there, if you're not familiar with him. And also uh, the fact that um, he has recently passed away. And uh, I thought this morning I would go ahead and jump in on that. I am a child of the 80s. And so uh, in uh, in thinking about that myself, um, for my own self, for my own personal gratification, um, you know, I thought I'd just share just some of the top songs that I thought I liked, that I grew up with. Uh, I don't know if you're a Prince fan or not. Uh, you don't have to be to really like the music. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this, uh, that uh, he was a uh, pretty good artist. Uh, yes, he had uh, he had some songs on there that I was not a big fan of, uh, as any... Um, uh, you know, if you're a believer and uh, you're a Christian, you kind of listen to him and go, no, I'm probably going to check out on that one. I'm going to pick and choose here. And um, and so for me, my I'll give you my top 10. My top 10 here, I will say, is number 10, Sign of the Times, which just has a funky, funky groove beat and kind of mixes in some of the uh, events of the uh, the day and so forth. So I, I kind of like that. Uh, number nine, Bat Dance. And if you're not familiar, uh, uh, Prince did much of the soundtrack for the original Batman with Michael Keaton. And Bat Dance was one of those. And that was a pretty funky jam. I sort of liked that. That was fun. Uh, number eight, You Got the Look. That was pretty good. I enjoyed that song. You got to remember, this is the years that I was going to, uh, you know, the junior high uh, dances or the, uh, you know, whatever, whatever's going on there. You know what really got me too? I was always kind of fascinated by this, that, you know, the girls who would dress up like Prince. And uh, and just just was all in the purple, and they'd come to school in all purple and just purple hair and clothing, and just really adopted the whole you know uh, I don't know what you want to call it Shakespeare look, you know this funky clothing and all that kind of good stuff. So, uh, but anyway, you got the look number eight, number seven, uh, Raspberry Beret, just a cool jam to kind of chill out with. Number six, 1999. It doesn't rank high on my list. It's on there simply because, you know, uh, it was a big deal. And, you know, in 1999, obviously, and they played the snot out of it uh, on, you know, for the year, you know, going into the year 2000. Um, but I, it doesn't make, it doesn't get up higher on the list just because I think it just got overplayed and it just became, now it's going to get played even more um, with his passing. But 1999 is a good song. Good song. Um, number five, Little Red Corvette. Also a little funky little jam. Um, number four, uh, Baby I'm a Star. Uh, I think that that was from the uh, that was from the Purple Rain uh, 
Purple Rain album, 1984, I believe, was the actual movie. And um, uh, Purple Rain, I think uh, that song, Baby, I'm a Star, is just a, just a great song. It's just a great little jam. And, and uh, you know, some say that the movie was uh, somewhat autobiographical about his life. And, you know, the, you know now that he's passed here, I mean, all these things, you know, they say that he has all these things in, in was in the works and things like that. He was writing an autobiography and things like that. And, and Prince, like anybody else, I think we hold our musicians and actors and uh, anybody else, YouTubers, to an incredibly high standard uh, above anybody else, when in reality, they're just people. Uh, they're people like you and me, with all, but, but with a lot of money <laughs> and probably a lot more talent. Uh, but the deal with that is, I mean, if you look at his out life and his albums and things like that. There are several uh, stories, uh, you know, where his his uh, spirituality and his art came together. Uh, like in the, in this song, uh, you know, uh, that I used uh, for the opening here. Um, you know, it kind of like feels like a, a cathedral, feels like a church service. Um, and uh, you know what? That was just part of who he was. Uh, part of. Uh, part of his makeup and things like that. Now, whether you, you know, doctrinally right or wrong, all those things, that's, look, we'll let God sort all that out, uh, you know, as far as that goes. But uh, you know what? I think, like I said, we all are very complicated people, and yet um, and yet, God uh, endures us. <laughs> so, so let's not be quick to judge. Let's not be quick to judge, folks, okay? Let's enjoy the music uh, for what it is. Let's not go too deep, shall we? Uh, number three is Kiss. Just a funky guitar jam. I like it. Uh, number two, Purple Rain. Uh, once again, another overplayed song uh, as far as, you know, just the album and things like that. I mean, I can't listen to that too many times. I mean, it's a great song. It's a, it's a you know, but you, you got to be in the right mood for that. People want to play that song like as their breakup song or uh, things like that. And I don't think I, you know, I don't think I ever went through that deep where I just wanted to, you know, sit there and, and cry and listen to Purple Rain or anything like that. I don't think that was quite my, my deal. Uh, but, uh, but people like it. It's a good song. And number one, my number one favorite Prince song is Let's Get Crazy. I just think it's a good jam. I just, because I grew up heavy metal, I grew up, you know, uh, with all kinds of, you know, I just appreciate good guitar work. I appreciate uh, good riffs. I appreciate um, good solos, guitar solos. And, you know, Prince was super talented, man. I mean, his, his uh, you know, Super Bowl Deal was probably one of my favorites of all time as far as Super Bowl uh, halftime shows go, uh, and he just he just killed it, just crushed it up there, um, and so yeah, so that's uh, that's my top ten list. Uh, let's get crazy, being number one, which was the um, uh, song I introed with. So you may have guessed my number one by then, and um, also I'm excited a little bit, I guess you know, because he had a ton of music in what is called the vault. He would just make albums and make videos and make documentaries and make whatever he was making and uh, would stick it in the vault. It would never see the light of day. So now, since he owns all of his own music, uh, nobody else does. He though that vault will slowly, hopefully, begin to leak out and you begin to find. Um, you know, more music that, uh, that he did, especially in the early days. I'd be interested post, uh, you know, in the mid to late eighties, if he did some more stuff there, cause I enjoy that funky sound, you know, what can I say? I enjoy it. So anyway, uh, you can feel free to leave me comments below if you'd like, uh, about that, uh, whether you like it or enjoy it or not or enjoy Prince. Um, the, uh, I'll tell you this though, if you are, uh, interested, 
I would recommend if you like this podcast, first of all, I would encourage you, please, to go over and uh, give it some stars. I know if you're brand spanking new, I don't expect you to do this. If you're brand spanking new today, if this is your first listen, I don't expect you to do it. You can if you'd like. But if you've been listening for the past three, four, five, six, seven episodes or all the episodes... What are you waiting for? Get over there and just do some, give it some stars. I don't care if you give it one or two or three, it doesn't matter. Just the fact that you would at least go over there and uh, write a little short review of you, what do you think of the material? What do you think of this, the stuff I'm trying to do? And um, and just let me know. I appreciate your, I, you know, I'm always looking for feedback. I'm always looking and you get to do that through that iTunes process there. So please be sure to go over there and offer the review. So um, we're going to transition now into what I call the meat of the program. And so uh, what do we have here today? I'm talking about the keys to student leadership. And I am just, for me, I have just ramping this thing up for myself uh, because uh, I just have always been one who has looked for the potential in students. Um, what can a student do? What can a student bring to the table? What, you know, what kind of, you know, what, what, what has God not only gifted them with, what has God, what talents do they have? And so many times, here's why I think I'm bent on it, as I think so many times we judge our church services or judge our youth services by how well a kid pays attention how well a kid uh, participates as far as their relationship with God goes, whether we're judging them on their worship or judging them on, uh, you know, whether they raise their hands when they worship and they sing. And I don't, those are, to me, those are very personal and very deep things. Uh, and they were, you know, they were for us, right? Nobody, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody listening to this would want anybody in the church to look around and look at you, especially on maybe your worst day, that where you are not engaged in worship, and then judge you and say, "Well, you're probably not a very good Christian. You're you're probably not very good at, at uh, your your belief system or your faith is low, and uh, you know you're out of sorts with God." I don't think anybody listening to this would would want that to happen. And so many times, I think youth pastors. Uh, and once again, I speak for me uh, in my early days that would look at that, and that's only one metric. It's only one, uh, you know, uh, tool, if you will, if you want to use that as far as an outward demonstration of their faith in God. But I have always judged. Um, well, I say always, but you know, I've always judged, you know, for the most part, at least for the latter part of my ministry here, I don't, I judge the service based on how kids are participating and how many people does it take to run the youth ministry, right? If it's just me, if I just come in and I have set up all the tables, set up all the chairs, I have done everything, I have uh, set up all this stuff, I've done the game, I have preached the message, and I lay down exhausted and I just go, wow, I did such a great job tonight. That is just such an epic fail for me. Uh, and I just vowed that I was never going to do that again. And so when I talk, when I do talk about student leadership, I am getting into deeper areas of student leadership on deeper levels. And I'll get to that here in just a little bit. But let me just offer you three keys, if I may, uh, about where I'm at 
And uh, if you've listened to uh, the podcast, I can't remember what episode it is at the moment, but the podcast where I talk about advantages that we have certain, that, that there are no advantages, that no churches, whether they have more money or more things or things like that, that in reality, they don't have an advantage because we can work just as hard. We can pray just as hard. Uh, but one of the other advantages, I don't remember if I mentioned it there, but one of the other advantages that we have uh, uh, that as a smaller church, maybe, uh, like I said, our church is about 250 people. Uh, my youth group's probably between 35 and 40. Is speed, is the ability to move fast. And I know uh, the church, like other organizations, uh, tend to move at a snail's pace sometimes. And they sit around, they wait, and they, uh, you know, they, and they usually, <laughs> they wait and it's too late. It's too late by the time they try to do something. So what I have tried to integrate into the DNA of my youth ministry is speed. In other words, I want to take a kid from loss to leader in 90 days, right? That's, that's my plan. That's my goal. I want to take a kid. Now, when I say lost, uh, that could mean that he is lost in the sense of he has not found Christ yet. Uh, that can also mean lost as to they have not found their place in the church yet. In other words, a kid comes in, they're from, maybe they're from a disengaged family, they love God, uh, they want to do great things, but they, they've not connected. So, and, uh, if, and, and, and so for me, speed, how quick, because if that kid doesn't get engaged quickly, if he does not connect with students or leaders or uh, their gifts and talents and things like that. If they're not connecting in that fashion, then we are. Then it is a slow. It is a slow fading away. When that kid, we go, well, why didn't that kid? We did all these games and and all these things, but why didn't they? Why didn't they stick around? Well, part of it is we didn't move fast enough. I think to get a kid connected, and uh, so. If, but if you want to, I know this is the first point, but if you, but like I said, if you want these, I'm I'm going to be coming out with a. Um, some sort of book or ebook uh, where I just said 90 days from loss to leader. I'm going to, I'm detailing my plans right now. So if you're not on the Fresh Impact newsletter, they're going to be the first ones to know. So uh, the people that are signed up for that, I mean. So if you uh, want to sign up for that, that's at thedisciplesproject.net. And uh, you can go to Start Making an Impact, and you can get signed up because I give out show notes. You'll get a copy of this, these notes, plus a little bonus, little worksheets, how you can work it out. So, uh, but I am going to be working on that. So if you're interested in taking a kid from Lost to Leader in 90 Days, you're going to want to be on that list. The second thing I do is in the speed process, let me tell you this, in the speed process and moving fast from getting a kid from Lost to Leader, the fact of the matter is this, that I don't do it there's speed and there's haste. Haste makes waste, right? But haste in this regard is I don't overlook things. I don't discount things. I don't just throw people into roles and responsibilities. The next, after speed, after I've committed myself to saying, I'm going to move a kid as fast as I can to connect them in all these areas. The next thing I do is I gauge their spiritual uh, maturity, right? What can they handle? Are they from another church? Do they have any kind of religious background? Um, you know, what kind of relationship with God? And I judge that fairly quickly. Um, and I say judge, I don't mean that to be harsh, but I, but I, um, I uh, stand back and I watch how they engage. I watch how they talk. I have conversations with them. I, you know, um, connect with them in other ways to kind of gauge that, not judge that. Judge that is probably a bad word. Uh, but I 
gauge that to say, where would they fit within the ministry? Where would they fit? Could they, you know, uh, and finding out, are they mature enough to be in the band? Are they mature enough uh, to do certain things? Are they, are they mature enough to lead a small group or, you know, things like that. But I always start them out small anyway. It doesn't matter whether they're gifted or not. Usually it's a 90 day I want to see if they're committed for 90 days. I mean, 90 days being three months. I want to see if they can show up on a regular basis every week for three months. And if they can do that, then they are qualifying. They are quickly qualifying for some responsibilities uh, to be able to do that. Uh, so if they, if they, if I'm determining over those three months their spiritual maturity, then they can possibly be in the band. They can possibly lead a small group. They can possibly uh, do that. But they always start out small, the small things, whether they can be a greeter or not, whether they can, whether they like to work hard, you know, whether they like to, uh, they have some artistic ability, whether they can sing or dance or do other things. And so that is uh, those parts there. We can't overlook those things as far as far as student leaders goes. So the first thing is we can be we can be speedy about it. The second thing we can do is we have to gauge uh, the spiritual maturity of a student and where they're at, where they're going to start at, and then we continue the journey with them um, to help them mature in Christ and uh, to become a leader. And the third area is this, is skill building. It's that skill building. I've always said that if a kid learns something, I want them, you know, why does the school always have to be um, you know, why does the school, why does every kid have to learn everything at school, right? I want a kid to be able to say, look, where'd you learn that? Well, I learned that my church trained me. Uh, they trained me to do, to do a Mac computer. Uh, they trained me to, uh, in people skills. They trained me in uh, various uh, things. And and I want a kid to be able to say, where'd you learn that? Well, I learned that at church. And because I think the church can, we, we as youth workers have skills and abilities that we can offer. Maybe you're bivocational and you work uh, in marketing or you work as a carpenter or you work as whatever your other job is. It's not that you have to know everything in the Bible, but you're bringing, you're maturing them, you're, you're through relationships and other things, but also through teaching them maybe what you already know how to do. So if you already have another job doing something, you're passing, you're bringing that knowledge into helping mature a kid and helping them develop as a student leader. So don't ever discount that. So I'm bivocational. Let me tell you something. You that are bivocational, uh, bring an extra, uh, uh, you know, measure to the dance here. You, you bring another skill in, whether that's, like I said, carpentry or retail or whatever it is you may do, uh, some sort of management position, you bring those skills to the party. So why not make that part of teaching a kid some of those things and then let that help you know, help them connect within the youth ministry. Because what happens is, is you, when you begin to skill build with them and everything we do here, speed, spiritual maturity, all those things lead to deeper and deeper accountability and deeper and deeper accountability leads to being able to speak into a kid's life at important moments in their world. That if we're not doing that, we lose that right. And that's part of the discipleship process to be able to speak into a kid's life, help them know and understand that God loves them, uh, that God has a wonderful plan for their life and that we're going to discover it together. You know, we're not just going to throw them out there, but we're going to walk through it 
together. So the skill building is, like I said, anything you can teach, anything you've learned in college, everything you've learned as a kid, uh, that could be anything from landscaping to planting flowers. Why not use that skill? If you mow lawns, why not teach kids how to, you know, landscape the uh, church yard, plant flowers, uh, plant a garden, uh, do something where kids have to take care of something and be, have some ownership over it. You know, if you have a cafe, why not, why not plant a garden and raise your own tomatoes or your own uh, peppers or whatever it is you want to do. You know, give kids some responsibility to do that and pass along what you know to them, right? And um, and so recently uh, for us, um, I give you this, there's what I would call open leadership and closed leadership. And uh, we started, just started a six-week um, a six week leadership. It's completely open. I just said, look, if you want to learn more about being a leader, show up. It, there's no qualifier. There's no, how long have you been in the youth ministry? Things like that. All it is, is an entry point in every student leadership program or as, as part of your, your DNA of your youth ministry and how you do things, you have to have an entry point. You have to have an entry point to be able to get in there and, um, and be able to, uh, get a kid in the door. Well, you know, that's they have to have their own motivation. I'm not going to beg them to come. If you want to learn how to be a leader, come. I'll bring that to the table. You know, I'll help you. I'll, I'll show you things. We'll watch TED Talks. We'll look at what Scripture says. Um, we're doing uh, vision boarding right now. We're doing a lot of different things. So, um, you know, those are, those are just important things. So if you have an open system, I, and I'm, at some point, you know, uh, some things become closed in this sense, that it's not a declared thing. Open is just say, hey, come show up, find out what it's all about. And closed is maybe your closed group of people. And I do have certain students, just like Jesus had Peter, James, and John. You know, I have a few students that I, um, that I trust uh, for various things, whether to pray for things, whether to deal with certain situations, to come to the altar and pray uh, for certain things. You know, those kind of things. There, I do have a, a, a group of kids that I do that, and I would say that is a closed group. Not every kid gets asked to do that. Um, so, you know, that's just, that's just, uh, I think a proper way to do things because kids have to know that you just don't, people aren't handing out stuff. Uh, and they have a way to do that. We give them a, a path forward. We give them and show them what we expect and share those expectations. So, um, but yeah, but those are my, that's, I don't know. I'd like to know more about your student leadership. If you have questions about student leadership, you can always hit me with an email at the at me.com. And ask me about that, or of course, sign up for the newsletter. I'll be sharing there as well. Um, but um, but yeah, that's it. That's that's kind of the what's been on my heart lately is developing these student leaders. Uh, and at the end, uh, towards the end of the program here, I have one of my student leaders uh, sharing what he does best, and uh, I'll get into that in just a little while. But um, uh, part of that too is, uh, if I can add one thing, is this: is I'm teaching kids to be entrepreneurial in some way. There's gifts, talents, and abilities that our kids have that, you know, that I don't want them to go to, you know, I don't want them to wait to go to school for, to hone those skills. They're already good. They just need to be told they're good enough. And then they can take those things, um, and use them for, uh, to benefit themselves, obviously, as a job or as a career, as the market goes, right? In our world today, things being digital, things being those things, how do we use these things? And this young man that I have here does spoken word and does, uh, you know, writes these little short stories, and and I'm going to have him share towards the end here. So do not do not skip that, by the way. You need to stay all the way to the end. Um, and then I'm going to take that kid and and say, look, let's. He's going to school this year. 
and uh, he is going to be going to a special one-year discipleship school. Cost about uh, I don't know three grand, something like that. And I'm going to take his material. Uh, because I have a, a, a background in that. If you've bought any of my resources or products or things like that in my store, then you know that I know how to package something up. I know how to make something uh, for youth workers. And this is going to be for youth workers, how to use these spoken words, how to use these things with your group to do Bible studies around, things like that. And all that money is going to go to him to know and affirm him to say, look, your stuff's good, bro. Your stuff's good. And, and youth workers will like this. And it will inspire uh, the goal is, too, is that it will inspire you if you buy this stuff that you're going to inspire your kids and say, I could do that. I could do that. And so he does that every week in my youth group. You know, he reads a little spoken word, puts something together according to the uh, according to the um, uh, message and things like that. So but anyway, that's it, guys. That is the meat of the lesson. And uh, and now we move on to what I am nerding out about. So nerding out. Uh, lately, I have been uh, nerding out on obviously Prince music. Uh, uh, you know, once again, I'm not. Uh, you know, everybody has their time. Nobody wants to die early. Uh, we we've seen this before. We don't know. You know, when artists die young, obviously they become far more famous than they ever were when they were living, uh, to some degree. You know, we we saw that with Hendrix. We saw that with Joplin. We saw that with, you know, um, Jim Morrison, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Right, Michael Jackson all those things. And really what they did is they did a lot of their best work. I mean, they just did, they just crammed and, and jammed all that good work and escalated themselves to a place that when they did pass, you know, that, that their material became iconic, right? They became iconic and their material became, and their songs uh, uh, became anthems and things like that. So, um, so for me, yeah, listen to a little bit of uh, Prince music just to kind of reflect a little bit on my 80s journey. Um, another thing I've been nerding out about is uh, a return to gaming in the realm of Heroclix. If you've never heard of Heroclix, my sons and I got into that very early on when it first came out. And basically, there are the it is a miniatures combat system of superheroes and supervillains. Uh, where you are on a, a map and you are moving around the table and you are gauging things. And every time you do damage, there's a click at the bottom. There's like a, a twisting uh, uh, base uh, where your abilities and things like that begin to shift and change as you gain power. But also as you lose power, you start losing some abilities because you're, you're getting the tar beat out of you. So I recently bought the, um, the newest edition, which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I thought, yeah, I think I should have that um, because I think I've passed on a bunch of them that I need to go and get back now. But um, but it's such a good one-on-one. I mentioned this because, like I said, it was good with my kids. My son was 12, 13, 14 years old when he played. And it becomes a good one-on-one type of game that if you're looking for an entry-level game just to sit with a kid and teach a kid how to play a game, uh, it's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, and, um, you know, I recommend it as a, as a good one-on-one type of game that if you want to connect with a kid who's a gamer or connect with a kid who likes uh, uh, chess or uh, strategy-type games, things like that, it just becomes a very fun thing there. You could buy a, a pack at probably at Barnes & Noble's or uh, your local comic book shop or something like that. So, um, but yeah, but I, that's what I'm kind of nerding out about now, right now. And then uh, just uh, a few comics that I've been reading, um, getting into... 
Power Man and Iron Fist is one. Uh, didn't be, you know, if you're like, I'm a child of the eighties here. So, you know, when I see like, I've been collecting these, um, escape from New York has, has now done a comic book and, uh, actually I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the storyline. I'm enjoying the story beyond, you know, the movie type of thing. And uh, how they're telling the story of uh, Snake Plissken and uh, things like that. But if you're not into comic books, that's cool. You know, let me know what you're nerding out about. I'd love to know. I'd love to know what your deal is. It could be technology. It could be comics. It could be whatever you're into. Uh, but you're nerding out about it. Right now, it's me. It's Heroclix. It's Prince. It's, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's some comics. So that's what I'm about right now. So I'm, I'm getting into other stuff. Obviously, student leadership. I'm, I'm nerding out about that. So... So uh, anyway, uh, guys, I, let's uh, let's move this along because right now I'm going to share with you uh, something pretty epic here as we get into our time of motivation because everybody needs a little bit of motivation, and uh, I hope this will motivate you. So here is uh, this is Mason Williams. Mason Williams is one of my students. He is a writer. Uh, he will one day be a published author. I'm just going to prophesy that over him right now. One day he'll be a prof, uh, a, a published author. Um, comes from a very difficult background, uh, but his talent uh, is really, really good. And what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to play for you his uh, one of his readings. And like I said, I have his readings. Uh, I have him do his readings as often as he has them, and I have him do it as part of my series, which um, I think we should all do is be able to spot kids and say, well, how does that kid, what that kid does, how does that add value to the youth meeting? And how do they feel a part of it? How do they feel like they're doing ministry? And uh, I used to have a kid get up and rap my sermons before I got up. He'd do a little rap and put a little rap together. And you say, well, that's nothing, Paul. It's just so dorky and so dumb. Not to them. Not to them. They feel a part. They feel like it's their place. And we're using something contemporary. So using the spoken word, this little, uh, I don't even know it's spoken word. It's maybe, it's it's more poetry, maybe, maybe than spoken word. But I mean, you know, there's fine lines there, right? And so uh, what I'd like to do for you right now is be able to play for you um, Mason Williams uh, reading one of his selections. And then I'm going to come back to you and kind of unpack that a little bit more. But be inspired. Be inspired by this. Song of the Reborn by Mason Williams. Shame is a cruel reminder that you live to survive doing something horrible. You do not tell the story to others that it replays in your mind every hour. Over time, you forget what you did and why you did it. Only the dread feeling remains, and you would do anything to get it out. A grim device indeed, you become stagnant by it, and not able to move forward in the darkness, becoming so repetitive that it could become a song so grotesque. Within each person, it exists, or has at one point. I lie down to write it out as best I can, but it becomes not only muffled, but muted instead. Cries and foul remarks become like wisps that dissipate with the blowing winds. I do not see any darkness, but a brighter atmosphere sets in, one where I do not suffer to breathe more than small breaths of insufficient air. I hear no cries in the darkness, for they have left. I feel no gnashing of teeth at my ears or scraping of claws upon my flesh, for they can no longer stand. The chill in my bones become like that of an ember falling upon a bed of hay. Two firm but fair hands find their place on each of my shoulders, radiating with freshness. A battle rages on within my soul between the crippling shame and a force that seems to be greater that I have not identified. What happens next is beyond any sort of understanding amassed in my days. A whisper of a promise neither I nor any mortal could ever fully understand is born next to my ear. The dread orchestra of shame 
that has played in my head since I cannot even remember, remain silenced after such a promise and a proposition is told to me. It is simple, he says. Love has found you in this mess you have made, and love calls you away from it. Simply step away from it, but do not return to listening to the same worn-out song of the shaman of the dead. He speaks of a brighter song that he has written for us, all while dying to make sure it is sent, and rising again to see it fully delivered and administered. He wishes me to no longer be a part of it, as he says that he has felt the pain I have felt, and feels it with me. Claiming my time to sing has come, a choir is formed behind me, comprised of those that sing the song he told me of, in the jungles, in the cities, in the pastures, on the seas, in the cathedrals and grand temples, and in secret places where the brand of shame has taken hold of the leaders of such places by storm, without any knowing of it. The shame burns away as I accept with a tear rolling down my face, knowing that the fight on the inside has been won. The greater force within me has triumphed indeed. Nothing now blocks my path to the one singing this new song of the reborn, all orchestrated by he who showed me the way. Joining them, the song of the shame still echoes, though easily vanquished again and again by the song of the reborn in this new beginning of a shameless and spotless chapter and chorus. This is my message to the one suffering the dread song of the shamed. Though shame is a powerful tool used by evil, the song of the reborn was made to break it and drown it out, signed and sealed in the precious blood that fought the battle within us and won. I hope that gave you as much chills as it did me, because I heard him reading this. I heard uh, Mason reading this, and it just, uh, you know, it's like a, uh, I don't know how to put it, it's like watching your kid play baseball, or, and even though Mason's not my kid, it's it's watching him come into his own. It's like watching him come into a place and say, man, he is really owning this. He is really just, just crushing it. And you're so proud of him and you're so stoked for him. And, um, and I'm proud of him. I am proud of him. And I hope one day he listens to this and says, Hey, that, that guy, Paul, he's proud of me. And, uh, I hope it inspired you. I hope you'll use it even in your youth ministry and you'll play it and say, look what, look what this kid did. What I hope that you'll, you'll be motivated. That's what this segment's about. It's about being motivated and saying, you know what? Um, I am. Uh, I need to start looking for kids and what they're good at and how they bring and how they build the service and how they offer ministry and how they can minister to their friends. And I'll just tell you what, the kids in this youth ministry love Mason. They, they are inspired by his stories and uh, every week and every time he does them. And it's just a powerful thing. So take some time this week, get motivated, get motivated, be speedy, start gauging spiritual maturity, start skill building and then find ways to get kids involved in your ministry. And I guarantee you, if you will do that, you will have no shortage of finding student leaders. You'll be making them yourself. So, but that's it for today, guys. I appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys being here, being a part of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast. It is the podcast where you get motivated and keep your youth ministry moving forward. And I hope we've done that today for your ministry. And uh, so until next time, guys, you guys have a great week, everybody. And I will see you guys next Friday.